0: to the CodeNubi Podcast, where we talk to people on their coding journey in hopes of helping you on yours. I'm your host, Saran, and before we kick off the show, I have a few announcements for you. I'm so excited to welcome two really great sponsors to the CodeNubi community. The first is SitePoint. If you're looking to level up your tech skills, SitePoint has you covered. You'll find help on web development, CSS, JavaScript, PHP, all the wonderful things we talk about on this podcast with thousands of articles, videos, and books available to you online. So sign up today to level up on your web development skills. And I'm also excited to tell you about Thinkful an online programming school designed for career advancement. You get paired up with a professional software engineer, and together you build real hands-on projects. Their part-time courses are perfect for busy people like you who are excited about tech, and once you're done learning, their career services program will help you find that job you've been waiting for. And finally, we are kicking off our month-long tribute to hardware. We've teamed up with Scott Hanselman from Hansel Minutes, who we've had on the show before, and our campaign is called March is for Makers. And our first guest is Sarah Chips. She is definitely a maker, a developer, and CEO of her hardware company, JulieBots. Sarah, do you want to say hi? Hi, Saron. Hi, listeners. So my very first memory of you was, I think, a year and a half ago. And I was coding with some code newbies and you know, trying to learn Ruby. And you walked in the room, and you had this big like suitcase maybe a tray I'm not sure what the word is but it had all these really cool arts and craftsy gadgety things and I remember looking at you and thinking what is she up to I don't know what she's doing but it's probably something really interesting and I think that was the beginning of Julie bots is that right that
1: might have been true yeah my big uh toolbox
0: yeah tell (laughs) us about the tool I want to know what's in the toolbox I never got around to asking you that what's in the toolbox
1: yeah, a lot of stuff. Um, Arduinos, Arduino compatible modules, soldering irons, um, you know, wires, wire strippers, all the things. <laughs> Very cool. So, you're working on JulieBots, which is what? Uh, so, JulieBots is um, wearables aimed at teenage girls. So, uh, JulieBots are a mesh network that allows them to communicate in class and indicate who their friend groups are based on different colors um, and interactions with their jewelry. Um, they're also open source, so the girls can code them to do basically whatever they want, like tell them when they have a Facebook like or a new Instagram follower, or any of those things. So it's a
0: mesh network. Tell me a little bit more about what that means.
1: Right. So actually, we just filed our first patent, and that is the patent for wearables that are a mesh network that allow you to communicate. Wow. And basically what that means is that we don't need to rely on our cellular devices. There's many cases. I mean, for these girls, it's, they're not allowed to have their phones in class. There's lots of situations where we may not be near internet or our phones, you know, if you're in the woods or you're at work, things like that, so that you, we might want to communicate with each other. So what it allows you to do is Bluetooth has a range of 30 feet. Um, and, you know, wireless has 100 feet plus or RFID has, you know, even shorter range. So it's, it's not dependent on the technology. Um, for JulieBots, though, we're starting with Bluetooth, and that has a range of 30 feet. And what a mesh network allows you to do is piggyback off the signal of your friends. So if I have a friend that's 30 feet from me or within the closest, um, within 30 feet, I can piggyback off her signal, so my range is actually 30 feet from her instead of 30 feet from me. And then if there's another friend within her range, my signal is even even larger. Very interesting. So how
0: did you find out about this stuff? Because my understanding is that you come from
1: software. Is that right? I do. I've been doing software for a long time, 13 years. Yeah, so a few years ago, I went to a JavaScript conference. And this awesome um, developer named Emily Rose was giving a talk about um, working with JavaScript and hardware. And it was crazy talk. We were in Dublin at the Guinness factory, which is really cool. And she went on stage and I got to see... Yeah, like the beer Guinness. Nice. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Very cool. um, So there's this huge room, and it's full of about 150 people. And we got to see some cool stuff. We got to see Substack, um, bullfighting a drone that he had programmed to charge wow. every time it saw the color red, um, and some other stuff. And so she had um, had programmed a smoke machine to uh, to respond to JavaScript. Um, then she talked all about how like she shorted out her entire hotel room the night before and then like, oh <laughs> The wall was brown around like what she and you know, she was like I don't even know if this will work So she turns it on and it, the smoke machine goes nuts. It <laughs> fills up the whole auditorium with smoke all the um, Security guards from Guinness are like running in wondering what's going on. <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> it's Best like, conference I want to do this with my life. This is great. So I I went up to her afterwards and I told her it was how cool it was and she gave me this big bag of LEDs and she was like, go make use of these and I did. Um, And since then, um, my kind of obsession has grown from there.
0: So she gave you a big bag of LEDs. I wouldn't even know where to begin with that.
1: What did you do with the big bag of LEDs? I had no idea where to begin with it either. I just knew (laughs) that it looked cool. (laughs) I was like, great, I'm going to use these for something. And so when I got back to New York, I got in touch with Rick Waldron, who uh, runs an open source project, started and and ran and runs an open source project called Johnny5, which is a way to communicate with Arduino using JavaScript. So I didn't know anything about Arduino um, or anything like that, but I knew about JavaScript. So I um, put a hack weekend together because that's one of of my favorite ways to learn. And Did you do it by yourself? Uh, no, I had some friends that were interested in this stuff too, so um, there was about twenty of us there that weekend.
0: Oh wow! Um,
1: and we learned all about Johnny Five, and I made a light blink, which was uh, really exciting for me. It's, it's a really it's a the hello world of the hardware um, of hardware. This is making a light turn on and off, and that's a really awesome experience. So um, from there, I just started participating a lot more and starting more projects, and um, and it kind of snowballed.
0: So how did you get from software developer to I'm just going to do a hack weekend and, you know, kind of to see what this is all about to I'm going to actually become a hardware company and I'm going to go really, really full time in the hardware world. How did that transition happen?
1: Yeah, so um, I've been spending a lot of time and effort thinking about the um, the role of teenage girls in the, um, in the future of software and the future of technology, and how um, usually at that age where they hit puberty, we lose a lot of them to the math and sciences. Um, in fact, with our user testing, we've seen so much of this, you know, like, where before age 10, they're super into it, and then afterwards, they're a little too cool, or, you know, that's not really my jam and stuff like that. So I've spent a lot of time thinking about how we can change that, and I think that there's a lot of initiatives that do in-person education, which is wonderful and great, but um, they don't, it doesn't scale well, right? I mean, unless you can get in every single public school, you're not really hitting a portion of the population to make a huge difference. And also, one thing about being that age is you're not too keen on things that adults tell you are at least i remember i wasn't too keen on things that adults told me were important i mean i learned how i got into software when i was 12 because i wanted to make friends and i learned that through my computer i could do that Um, and that's why i learned how to code and that's why i learned about programming and it had nothing to do with the fact that someone thought engineering was a good career for me just kind of worked out that way Um, so Uh, I really wanted to pursue a way to kind of artificially give them that need um, uh, to learn to code. Um, And I think, you know, hardware was the best way to do that. Um, It's really, it's funny, it's really the forefront of technology right now, right? There's this whole hardware movement and what people deserve the highest and the latest technology than teenage girls. <laughs>
0: well put. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's something I wanted to to ask as well, because there's so many different problems that you could theoretically tackle. So this issue of teenage girls, all of a sudden not being as interested in the science and the math and you wanting to tackle that problem, what about that really speaks to you? And why was that important enough to You know, spend, I assume, a long time working to solve that problem.
1: Yeah. uh, I think I'm kind of an eternal teenager, you know? Um, I've just, I've kind of never grown out of that stage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I just, I can really relate to being that age. Um, And I think also, uh, just one thing that was, Really startling to me. I kind of I didn't get socialized in the same way that my peers did. I was homeschooled up until about that age, up until high school. So when I joined my peers, a lot of their conceptions about these things were just shocking to me. Um, it was really surprising to me that my friends would rather be more beautiful than smarter. For me, that was like a non. That was like a non. That wasn't even a question. And like to to hear, you know, uh, their perceptions about our role in society and their role in society and things like that um, were really surprising to me. So seeing seeing that attitude, um, you know, be pervasive in that culture, I think um, I think that I think they really I think they want it to change. Right. I don't think they have any real desire. I think there's a real, especially with all the girls I've talked to now doing this, it's what I do the most is talk to teenage girls. It's really the fun part of my job. But no part of them wants things to continue in that direction. They just don't have the tools. Um, And so uh, I think that, you know, sorry, that was a really long way to answer your, long-winded way to answer your question. But Um, I think the reason why they resonate so much with me is, um, just because the impact that that had on me when I was that age. Um, and this is an awesome career.
0: Yeah. I I completely hear you on the whole. It's more important to be beautiful than smart. That's just such a ridiculous concept. So anyone who's doing anything to fight that I fully support. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I appreciate your work in that.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, something that's really interesting. We've been We're working on making a video. Something about hardware companies that's interesting is proving traction is really difficult because, you know, you can't do anything in six to eight weeks like you can with software. It takes a year plus. Um, So we're working on a video to kind of educate people about JulieBots. And one of the biggest, um, the concept we're trying to, you know, get across as a video is um, the the delineation society draws between things that are traditionally girly and things that are technical. they're viewed as very different things Um, and I think if we can if we can change that if people can think of things that are traditionally girly as things that are super technical I mean like even you look at people's I know a wonderful woman her name is Kara and she's a mother and she's a recent mother and she's super passionate about being a mother she's home a lot with her son. And I got to stay with her last time I was in San Francisco and it was great seeing how much she cared. And so what she's doing to make motherhood better is she's engineering a solution um, to make breastfeeding much more painless. Breastfeeding, I've learned all about it. It turns out it's like the the most annoying thing trying to breastfeed anywhere but home and um, trying to use a breast pump is like crazy. So her response to that, and so like here is something that's traditionally pretty girly being a mother and being passionate about being a mother, and she's responding to it with herself and two other Stanford grads. They're engineering a better solution. Um, So it would be great if we could just kind of think of those things being hand in hand.
0: So when I'm thinking about Julie Botts and something that's very targeted towards teenage girls and, and introducing them to technology, how do you make sure that that introduction is a permanent change, right? So once they're, you know, I don't know what age range you're going, you know, going for, but if they're 17 and they're maybe not so much into Julie bots, how do they keep that spirit of being interested in technology and hardware?
1: I think that's a great question. I think that, um, I think we don't know yet, right? I don't, um, I think we're trying to make an impact at the middle school, early high school range. Uh, in the hopes that it will pique their interest and to continue to be something that they want to do. Um, I think we'll see, right? I think only time can tell if that's something that is enough to permanently impact them and the way they view their futures. Um, But I think there's a lot to be done with the messaging um, that we do as a society around things that are technical and engineering and stereotypes and different things like that um but yeah i think i think that's a i think that's a wonderful question that we as a society don't really have an answer for yet
0: yeah and something that i've noticed is um little bits for example i think they do a really great job of having educational uh content on their website too of saying you know now you have these little bits gadgets and you're putting them together. Here's a little bit more about how it actually works. you know. And so yeah. I, I just, I love the idea of companies like yours having you know a solid product that you can buy and play with and then having a behind the scenes and educational component that tells you a little bit more about how it actually works.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love little bits. We use them now in our user testing. Just because oh, it, awesome. it, they make it so easy to explain electronics and how they work.
0: So I want to talk a little bit more about this transition that you made as a software developer coming into hardware, because a lot of our listeners are trying to be currently software developers. And I'm wondering, what are some of the differences that you see when you're working with software and working with hardware?
1: The So one thing, working with hardware has so many more dimensions. Um, one thing I've been saying for the past few months or the past year is that so one thing I've learned from building hardware is that software is largely pretend. <laughs> and that's pretty tongue <laughs> in cheek, but um, it's so different when you're making a physical object. I mean, the software part of hardware is equally as important, right? So there's firmware. You know, we're building an app. There's the, the software stuff is, is, you know, to all the hardware I know, building firmware and um, building apps and software to support it is super important. But hardware just takes software and adds like five dimensions. Is that a good thing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been super challenging and awesome. I think that I really appreciate the foundation I've had in software um, because for a lot of it's funny looking at other people doing hardware, the software part is like a huge challenge for them. And and, you know, for us, I mean, of course, there's always new things to learn, but having done this for so long, I'm like, yeah, the software part I got now you've got to teach me about all these other things. So I mean, there's like so many dimensions, like uh, electrical engineering and mechanical engineering and industrial design and manufacturing and um, the pipeline and distribution and things like that that um, you really don't get to do when you're doing software, which is really interesting.
0: And how much of that bleeds into just being a product business? You know what I mean? Like how much how much overlap is there between hardware and just you know, if I were to make a cup? for example, or sell mugs, right? Yeah. I assume there's distribution and manufacturing and there's a lot of overlap with that. And how much of it is yep. specific to just being hardware?
1: Yeah, um, no, it's it's super similar. And just the delineation between that and hardware is just you're building, um, you're adding microprocessors and you're building boards and you're embedding them. Um, and that's that right there is the difference.
0: So I feel like hardware is so interesting and so cool because it's it's physically in your hands and you get to play with it and you get to to see it. Do you feel the experience of succeeding in hardware different and or maybe even better than seeing a website that you've built?
1: Um only in the way that it's new, right? Cuz like when you cuz you know when I first started doing software and I put up my first website, I was like this is amazing i (laughs) am a god right like i control the internet (laughs) but um and then 10 years went by and you know you don't really get that feeling again until until now yeah the first time you get that light to blink you're like i am a god i have (laughs) i have manipulated this light into doing my wishes you know so i think it's i think it's um the, the difference is only learning something new. Like it really feels like taking my software career and adding, like I said, many more dimensions.
0: Mm-hmm. And so what was it like to learn hardware? Was it mostly books, tutorials? Is there a hardware bootcamp? I'm not even sure if that's, that's really a thing.
1: Right? No. So there's not, a t- there's not, that's, uh, that's another thing. Is there's not a lot of resources. Um, and a lot of it was hacking. Uh, in the beginning, it was just a lot of hacking, talking to people who had done it before. There are some tutorials online now, especially with Arduino, but not a lot. Um, and um, troubleshooting is different; it's different than what you're used to. Um, and then, so Julie Bots was had the privilege of being part of a hardware accelerator called Highway One last year, and that was super educational. Just because there's so much. You can learn from people who have been doing this for 20 years Um, and if there's anything I've heard from people doing hardware companies the first time is you don't know what you don't know. Um, And so what I've been focusing on is kind of um, surrounding myself with as many people who have done this for a long time as I can.
0: So how far have you gotten in the actual user testing? Have you been able to build a prototype and put it in the hands of some teenage girls and see how they react?
1: Yeah, so we've had a few prototypes um, that we've been playing with. Our final, uh, by the end of March, we should have 10 of our final prototype. Um, And by final, I mean the, for manufacturing, the one we're going to manufacture this year, so that's exciting. That's very um, exciting. And then by May, we're aiming to have our first hundred and get those in the hands of users.
0: Very cool. So when you're yeah. actually building and putting it in their hands and getting to see how they react to it, what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned?
1: Well, actually, like from the beginning, our theory, our uh, hypothesis was JulieBots and the functionality is totally different than where we are now. And user testing has been such a valuable, because, you know, we're building a product for for someone that we aren't right mm-hmm. so i mean like that that itself right there is a reason to talk to users. i mean i can remember being that age but i mean i don't remember being that age. i just right? try not
0: to remember being that
1: age yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> um and plus like it's a totally different generation now with like different priorities um so in the beginning we julie Bots was going to be a bracelet where you change the colors to match your outfits, right? So like if you, it was in the morning, I have my jewelry bot. I'm gonna turn it green because I'm wearing green today and like I'm super stoked about that. Um, so we, uh, so that's what we were building and we storyboarded and we went to a bunch of high schools um, and middle schools and we talked to them and they were like, yeah, that doesn't sound so fun. Oh, no. um, but here are some things that do sound fun and we really heard the same things no matter where we were across the board. It's we want to talk to each other and we want people to know who our friend groups are hmm. um and you know because the behavior at that age is so tribal and i mean we all had friendship bracelets i mean mm-hmm. i had a bunch of friendship bracelets when i was that age um, and for them being able to indicate their friend groups is super important um, so that's actually the thing that resonates with them the most adults don't really understand it adults get the messaging adults do not understand why girls care about the um you know the friendship yeah. thing but yeah. it's super important to them that's what that's what they're the most excited about every time we talk to them.
0: And did you find that disappointing? Like the fact that they didn't like your initial
1: idea or how did you take that? Not, no, no. Cause I mean like, no, I, cause I don't know, you know, like I don't know that group. We want to make something for them. Right. Um, so the most important thing, the ability to be able to hear what they really want, I think is the most important thing.
0: Awesome. So next I wanted to move on to some rapid fire fill in the blanks. Are you ready? Yes. Number one, worst advice I've ever received is?
1: So I thought about this one a bunch. And the worst advice I've ever received is advice. Um, Right? So (laughs) so that sounds really like whatever. Best answer ever. (laughs) But I think the worst, I think there are, there have been people in my life who jump to giving unsolicited advice often. Um, And I've been guilty. We're all guilty of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Not all the time. Yeah, exactly. I try to be (laughs) sensitive about it. But uh, really in those scenarios, you know, I've found them to be personally discouraging, right? So when someone looks at you and then their immediate reaction is advice, you know, like, oh, you're, you're seeing something you don't think is great and now you're telling me how to fix it. And I didn't really ask you nor, did, you know. Um, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that was, it's definitely been my experience that when people, you know, jump in with unsolicited advice, um, it could be discouraging, so I think that's kind of where I landed with that question. Number two,
0: my first hardware app was about.
1: Oh, you you changed it. I did so, change it. <laughs> okay, so my first hardware app was I made a light that changed color based on your um, the sentiment analysis of your tweets. So whoa,
0: um, yeah, complicated. Is it as complicated as it sounds?
1: Uh it wasn't that bad. So I found a Python library that does sentiment analysis, and I kind of stole it and translated it into javascript or like json rather um and then i um just uh used a spark device um that has uh that uses um that has wi-fi so it's a microprocessor with uh, wi-fi and um just parse tweets as you tweeted them
0: Yeah. um, So Scott and I have decided we're going to do a little video of us trying to make a light turn on and off as our little hello world experiment. It'll be my first time doing anything with hardware. So I'm totally ready to make a fool of myself. It's going to be great.
1: Yeah. No, it's awesome. You won't. It'll be, it'll be awesome. (laughs)
0: Okay. Number three, one thing I wish I knew when I first started
1: to code is Um, how little everyone else knows, right? I think that was a good one. Yeah. I feel like that was the biggest thing. I was always afraid to ask questions if I didn't know something. Uh, And I feel like maturity in software is like being, you know, cause like everyone's always talking about, I think I realized I'd reached a point of maturity when people would just throw acronyms in conversations and I was able to be like, okay, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of it. What is that? Right? Cause like before that I was so afraid like, oh, I should know that this is probably something super popular. They're going to think I'm an idiot. You know, like this is probably, I'm going to ask this question. They're going to be like, do you really not know what HFBT is. And I'm going to be like, no, you know? Um, and now I'm like the first person to be like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you back up and talk about this thing for a couple minutes? Um, and that would have been so great earlier on if I was able to do that.
0: So how did you make that transition from being afraid to ask questions and being the first person to ask questions?
1: I think it was confidence in what I know is really what did it. Right. So like, I got to a point where I was like, I know this stuff, you know, I'm, I pay attention to the things that are being built and in the community. And so I got really confident in um, being able to defend myself. Like if someone was like, wow, you don't know what that is. I was really, I was able to say, no, I don't. Period. And that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And before that, I was just so afraid of being new and showing that I was, you know, not experienced that I, I wasn't able to do that.
0: So next, let's move on to some shout outs. Do you have a couple for us?
1: Yeah. So uh, I find one thing I love to promote the hell out of is Johnny Five and Nodebots and Nodebots meetups. Um, there's are awesome ones in New York. Um, Francis Gulotta, um and Rick Waldron have been doing them lately. Um, and uh, there's a lot of chapters in different areas. It's working with hardware and JavaScript, um, and there's a ton of noobs, there's a ton of people who have been doing it for a long time. There's no judgment, you know, you don't have to bring anything, you just come see what people are working on, uh, and it's really neat. So, if you know, if you want to get into hardware, I really encourage you um, to, you know, check out something like that. Um, and then another shout-out, if you have any, um, so Little Bits, like I said, is really awesome, um, especially for kids and adults as a great way to uh, learn about hardware and how it works. It's an abstraction away from Arduino, right? So Arduino is one level and Little Bits, I look at it as like an abstraction away from Arduino. So it just makes it easier to put modules together. Um, And I've had a lot of fun playing with them, um, as well as the Parrot AR drone. It's an, a drone that's open source, and it allows you to program it using JavaScript and lots of other languages. Um, both LittleBits and the Parrot AR drone, their one detraction is that they're pricey, and I think yeah. that's difficult. So if you, can, you have a class and you can find someone to go in on it with you, or, you know, um, that's, that's great. Or if you can find a local business that has one and you just want to play for the weekend, um, I know a lot of startups will have one and loan them out. Um, so any of those things are, are great, but, um, but yeah, those are both great ways to, to get started.
0: Okay. So as an adult, I bought a little bits, I think maybe a year or two ago, just for myself because I just wanted to play with it. Mm-hmm. And I think I spent like 10, 15 minutes kind of clicking things and attaching them. And then I just didn't know what to do. Like, I just didn't know what to build or what to do with it. Do you have any good ideas? Any good starter little bits ideas?
1: That's a great question. So I think little, bit, little bits are more designed as like toys. Like the original kits are more designed as toys than anything else. Right. So yeah. and that's been my experience is like there really isn't anything to build with them. One thing that they are doing now is they're building kits that you can build stuff with. that has like more practical value like. They have a musical kit where you can make lots of different instruments. They have a home automation kit. So I think with the original little bits, it's really hard to figure out something. But with the kits, it's a bit easier.
0: Okay. So I have to go out and get some more kits. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. So I have a couple of shout outs of my own. The first is actually a blog series that you did, Sarah. And I'm kind of glad you didn't pick it as your shout out. I was hoping that you wouldn't, um, but it's called, so you want to build a hardware company and you're a software engineer. And I love the series so much. I know you're not done with it. I think I saw three out of the six parts. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Are you yeah. going to finish it? You better finish it.
1: Yeah. The next one is building okay. traction, which is just such a, such a hard thing to do as a, as a hardware company. I've started writing it. Um, there's a lot to write, but I, I'm looking forward to getting on that one out there.
0: Yeah. So the six parts that Sarah's outlined is prototyping, debugging, user testing, proving traction, which is what you're working on now, design for manufacturing, and then actually manufacturing. And I love this so much because as a software person, I have no idea how hardware works or how to even begin thinking of you know a physical object. It's quite scary, to be honest. Um, And I love that you've basically gave us the rundown on what that would be like transitioning from software to hardware. So thank you so much for writing it. I definitely think that everyone should check that out, even if you're just curious about what it looks like. it's, It's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah.
0: And the second shout out that I have is a cartoon that I'm that I feel like just tells my life story so well. It's called The Motivation Game. Sarah, have you seen this?
1: I haven't. No, I'll have to check it out. What is it? Oh my God. Okay.
0: So, it, oh, it's just so funny. So the whole thing is basically you battling yourself and trying to get yourself to motivate, you know, to, to motivate yourself to do something you don't want to do and how it just never, ever works. And it's just, it's just the perfect, it, it's, oh my God, it's just my life. It's my life story so well. I'm going to send it to you in the, um in the chat and I want you to take a look at it, but it's really good. Oh, awesome. I'll check it out. And my last shout-out is a sponsored shout-out from Thinkful. They've got a great online front-end web development course that covers topics like JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and even does some UX design stuff as well. So if you're interested in getting started in front-end web development, definitely check it out. And they're offering a very special discount to Codenewbie listeners. So if you go to thinkful.com slash Codenewbie, you'll get 10% off the course. If you want to join the conversation, you can join us on Code Newbie Discourse, our online forum for people excited about code. Or you can chat with us every week on the Code Newbie Twitter chat. Just search for hashtag Code Newbie and tweet with us every Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can learn more about that, as well as show notes on this episode, at slash podcast. And we'd love for you to join us on our month long tribute to making and hardware. So go to marchisformakers.com to see all the great content that we're creating for you. Thank you again, Sarah, so much for joining us. You want to say goodbye?
1: Yeah, goodbye. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. I can't wait to hear it. Thanks for listening. See you next week.